0: Our text this morning is from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, the qualifications for answered prayer. I am the true vine, John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, here's the text, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is the Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. Now there are two qualifications for answered prayer. The first is that the prayer is in the will of God. And we put a lot of emphasis on that. That's what Jesus meant when He said to ask in His name, and whatever we ask in His name, He'll do it for us. And so we try to find the clue to how to pray and and the technique and the structure of prayer. And the prayer, we understand, must be in the will of God for that prayer to be answered. There is a second qualification for answered prayer, and this might be the key. The prayer must be in the will of God. That is not only the petition... But the petitioner must be in the will of God. And while we place the emphasis on the petition, God puts the emphasis perhaps on the petitioner. And we spend a lot of time trying to find how to structure the prayer so that we can get it answered. And the problem is not that our prayer is not correct. The problem is that we are not correct. It is the life that prays. The Bible says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, so that if you're not righteous, you might as well forget about it. The psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, and the word regard means, if I look with approval, If I give an uncontested place to sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It is the life that prays. We've already established that the quality of the gift is determined by the quality of the giver. The acceptability of the gift is determined by the acceptability of the giver. Jesus said... If when you're bringing your gift to the altar and you remember that you have sinned, you have ought against your brother or your brother has ought against you, leave your gift there and go and get reconciled, then bring your gift. Can you imagine what it'd be like if on Sunday morning before any preacher brought his gift of preaching to the altar, he got things right with God and with others, or every choir member, before they brought their gift of singing or music, or every teacher, before he brought his gift of teaching, or every worshiper, before he brought his gift of worship to the altar, made everything right between God and himself and himself and others before we started the worship service. Can you imagine what that would be like? We'd probably have to, it would be late before we got started in the first place, But when we got started, there would be power. For the acceptability of the gift is determined by the acceptability of the giver. So that when you bring your prayer to God, the acceptability of that prayer is determined by the acceptability of the prayer. For God is less concerned about the petition than he is about the petitioner. So that there are two qualifications for answered prayer, that the prayer is in the will of God and the prayer is in the will of God. And listen, if a person is abiding in Christ and Christ's word is abiding in him, you don't have to worry about what he says. He's going to say the right thing. You won't have to worry about how you're praying if you're meeting those two conditions, abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in you so that there are two conditions then to that second qualification i want us to look at look at the first if you abide in me now he uses the branch and the vine illustration because he wants us to know that we are to see ourselves as a to jesus as a branch is to the vine In other words he wants us to recognize that we are a branch and live the branch kind of life if you want to know what it means to abide in Christ to abide in Jesus you just go out and look take a long look at a vine and see what the branch is in relation to that vine that's the way you are to live in relation to Jesus to be a branch kind of To live a branch kind of life. To be to Jesus what the branch is to the vine. Now there are a couple of things about that. First is that the branch must accept the vine's purpose for its life. What is the purpose of the branch? The purpose of the branch is to bear fruit. The branch is what God has created So that the vine can have something to hang its fruit on. And the vine's life flows through the branches and pops out in fruit so that the purpose of the branch is to bear fruit. Not produce it, but to bear it. What is your purpose for being as a believer? To bear fruit. When I moved in over to Parsonage, I noticed that Glenn Potter had some peach trees growing in the back. In that space between... His, prop, his yard and my fence, and, and, and they were just, it was loaded down, the trees were loaded down with luscious peaches. And I was thinking, how, am I, how can I, well, some of those branches were hanging over in my yard, you know, and some of them were going fall off in the ground, especially if you shook it. And, and, and so uh, I thought, well, I'll get me some peaches. Well, one day, Glenn saw me out in the, in the, in the, in the driveway. He's just the best neighbor. He came over, he said, um, Gerald, you see these peach trees? Now, now he didn't say, anytime you want to, come out here and break off some branches and eat them. I mean, they're just wonderful to eat. They'll keep your teeth clean. They'll give you a digestive system, that bulk that you need. He he didn't say, you know, break up some of these branches and put them in a little bowl and pour some cream and sugar over them, and they just taste so great. He didn't say that. What he said was, now we have these luscious peaches out here, And you're welcome to get any that you want. You just get all the peaches that you want. That's what they're here for. Now, the purpose of the branch is not to eat the branch. The purpose of the branch is to bear fruit. Do you know the only reason you're here as a believer? The purpose of your being here is to bear fruit. And apart from fruitfulness... You and I are useless. Now you remember that next time you go out to the hospital and visit some sick friend. And you go into the room and you visit this friend and he's a carnal Christian who's absolutely in disobedience to the will and purpose of God and he rejects God's word and and he is is negligent of God's duty in the church. And, And you go into his room and he says to you, will you pray for me that I'll get well? Now, if you pray for a carnal Christian to get well, what are you doing? You're asking God to extend his disobedience. Can you conscientiously do that? What you can conscientiously do is to say to him, I can't pray that prayer, but this is the prayer I can pray. I will pray that God will use this time in your life to bring you back to usefulness, bring you back to God, and I will pray that there will be some evidence of repentance in your life so that I can pray that God will heal you. Did you know there was only one time that anybody ever came to Jesus and asked for help and didn't get it? I mean, he acted like he didn't even hear him. This guy came to Jesus and asked for help, and he didn't even acknowledge his prayer, his request. You know who that person was? It was the thief on the cross. And what he asked Jesus to do was to come down and save him and, and himself. Jesus couldn't answer that prayer because he couldn't link that prayer to divine necessity. If he had answered that prayer, he would have just extended the man's life of crime. For apart from fruitfulness to God, we are useless. And the only reason, the only usefulness for the wood was to bear fruit. Did you know there was a rabbinical law that said you couldn't even use the wood of the vine for the sacrifice. It wouldn't even burn right. The only purpose for for the vine is to bear fruit. The branch is to bear fruit. Now, what is the fruit? Well, the fruit is the outward expression of the inner nature. Now, I don't know too much about trees. I know some trees from others. But I imagine if I went out and you had a large orchard and you had pear trees and apple trees and peach trees and orange trees all together, I probably couldn't tell one from the other unless there were fruit on. There was fruit on them. If I saw a tree over there, I'm dumb and I'm not stupid. I saw a tree over there that had some apples hanging on it. I'm going to say to you, yeah, I know what kind of tree that is. That's an apple tree because the apple is the outward expression of the inner nature. Now, what is the inward nature of a believer? The Bible says that when you become a believer, you partake of the divine nature. The inward nature of the believer is Christ himself. So to bear fruit is to allow Jesus Christ to be manifested in your life. Now, if you want to know if you're on praying ground or not, this is the question. Is Jesus Christ being reproduced in you? There's a second relation that the branch has to the vine, and it's this. The branch just makes itself available to the vine. Just rests in the vine. Just draws from the vine. There'll just not be any wearisomeness to the work. Somebody said the 11th commandment is, Thou shalt not sweat it. When you're abiding in Christ, you're just as busy as ever. You're just not sweating it. Have you ever seen a frustrated, anxious branch now, there's sometimes when I go home at night, I feel like I have really failed the Lord. And I, I, I have a problem with a you know, guilt trip sometime. And, and I've, I've prayed, Lord, I've just failed you today. I haven't witnessed like I ought. I haven't prayed like I ought. Ever, you, ever, you ever been there? The other day I was walking through the kitchen and my faucet said, uh, Gerald, I just feel so bad today. I've just failed you. And I, I looked at the faucet and I said, You You did? Pretty much of a shock when you faucet, you know, is making confession like that. Said the faucet, "Said uh, I, I just feel so badly. I, I, failed you today. I, I've not washed your hands a single time. I've not uh, given you a, gl- a glass of water, not one drink of water today. I've not cooled your face one time." And I said to the faucet, "Now, faucet, y- you've honored me today. You." you've, you've blessed me today because you've just been available to me. I know that if I, all day, that if I needed to wash my hands, all I would have had to do was just touch you. And if I wanted a drink of water, all I would need to do is just touch you For this is what I want of you, old faucet. I want you just to make yourself available to me, to my touch. That's exactly what abiding in Christ is. It is just making yourself available to Him. And Jesus said, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying this. You just make the riverbed available to me. You provide the riverbed and I'll provide the river. Hallelujah. And So when you go out to visit, let's just suppose that you're going to go out to witness And you feel led of God to go to a certain place and you go to that door and you just made a riverbed available to the river. You just made a branch available to the vine and you went and knocked on that door. guy came to the door and you went in, you sat there and it was anointed and you talked a while. And after a little bit, you began to witness him about salvation. And he got on his knees and accepted Christ. Who gets the glory for that? Well, the Lord gets the glory for that. Well let's suppose that you went out visiting, you made yourself available, a riverbed, available to the river, and he led you to this house, and you knocked on the door, and you went in, you sat down, it was anointed, you shared the gospel with him, he rejected it. You failed. Well we call it failure, it's not failure really. We call it failure, and for one of a better term, let's just use that word, and you failed, he didn't accept Christ. Now whose responsibility is that? It's the Lord's. There's tremendous freedom there. It sets you free. It means that I just make myself available to His touch and whatever His touch is upon my life, that's how I respond. That's what it means to abide in Christ. How do you know if you're on praying ground? Listen, when you make yourself available to Jesus and you live the branch kind of life, that is, for the purpose of bearing fruit, manifesting the inward nature, you just get ready for answered prayer. You're going to have some answered prayer. There's a second condition. My words abide in you. Now, there's two things that involves. It means, first, that His Word controls us. His words control us. The word abide in the Greek language is an interesting word. It means to make yourself at home, to, to be permanent, to settle down and to have permanency. When God indicted Israel through the prophet Hosea, this was his indictment. You treat my word as a stranger. Now in Israel, when people were in Israel, if they were not Israelites or Israelis, they were allowed to stay. They they said, come on, move, move in here. But they could not abide. And this is what that means it means that they didn't have a voice in the government they didn't have an opinion to express couldn't express their opinion they didn't have a say so in affairs of the community they were told come on and stay in Israel but keep your nose out of our business now I want you to draw the analogy with me There are so many of us who say yes I like the Word of God I want the Word of God I come to Sunday school, I come to church, I go to these Bible conferences because I want the Word of God. And we're saying, I want the Word of God to stay in my life, but my heart is a hotel and checkout time is 12 noon on Sunday. I'll take the Word of God for, in my life, but, but, but that Word has no opinion, no say so. We say, keep your nose out of my business. As a matter of fact, that's kind of the way we treat Jesus. Now be honest with me. We invite Jesus into our life and we want him into our heart in our heart and we say, we've got a room for you back at the end of the hall, the back part of the house. Just go back there and and and, and, and keep quiet. <laughs> Come on in, Jesus. You're welcome to this back room back here, but but um, you know, just just keep quiet back there. If I ever need you, I'll call on you. Or oh, there'll be times when we'll need him. Things will get a little tough sometime, and so we go back to his room and knock on the door and say, yeah, now, now I need you. What, what, what can you do to help me? But, but until then, we tell him, You stay back there and stay out of my business. That's the way many of us live. Now, if he's abiding in us, if his word is abiding in us, it means... That our lives are controlled by His Word. Now, how do you know if you're on praying ground? Listen to me carefully. The way you know you're on praying ground is this Is there any part of this book, this Word, that you are willingly and knowingly disobeying? Now, the Scripture says if you have aught against someone, make reconciliation. The scripture says, speak not evil against your brother. Is there any part of this word that you are willingly and knowingly disobeying? If there is, you're not on praying ground. You can forget about it. Are you going to bless, you're going to give your child, disobedient child, what he asks? Let's just suppose your kid comes in, you're with your child and you say to him, now, uh, Bob, I want you to go out and I want you to do this. He said, I'm not going to do it. Well, now, look, I'm your father. I'm your mother. I want you to do this today. These are your chores. These are your responsibilities. No, I'm just not going to do that. I don't want to do it. Don't feel like doing it. And I'm just not going to do it. And so you kind of, you know, you say, well, if you're going to live in my house, you're going to have to obey me. So, well, that's just too bad. I'm not planning on doing what you say. And the next breath he says, hey, Pop, can I have the keys to the car tonight and $20 bill? I want to take my girlfriend out to eat and go to a movie. You going to give that to him? If you give that request, if you give that request, you know what you're doing? You're contributing to his disobedience. You're gonna do, you, you think God is going to give the request to a, to a disobedient, rebellious child? He's not going to do that, is he? If we know God's Word and we willingly and knowingly disobedient to it, we can, you know, we can forget about getting requests and answered answer to prayer. There's a second thing that His Word does. His Word cleanses us. Now it's interesting when you read verses 1 through 3 that there are terms that are interchangeable. It, it, it seems like he's talking about pruning, that he is, cutting away, and at the same time washing and cleansing. It is this. It, it's, it's, for the, it's, it's because of this. When a vine dresser was pruning or cleansing the vine, he but both cut off the useless wood and leaves that sapped the energy of the vine, and he washed away the parasites and the growths that we're destroying the life of the vine so that, 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 that Jesus is saying that, that the vine dresser has a purpose to clip and to cleanse your life so that his word cleanses us. What that means is that I get on praying ground when I am willing to let the vine dresser do what he wants to do in my life. There's a lot of... I'm not talking so much about sin now as I am talking about useless wood, things in our life that just sap the energy of the vine. And the reason why He does this cleansing and this clipping is in order that we might bear much fruit. For the Father is glorified in much fruit. If you had an orchard, if you had ten orchards and eight of those orchards were... We're yielding to capacity, and, and two of them were yielding fruit but not to capacity. Which orchards would glorify you? You'd be glorified. It's not hard to figure out. You'd be glorified in the eight, eight orchards that were producing to capacity. You say, Well, I'm bearing fruit. Yes, but are you bearing fruit to capacity? Do you think God is glorified in your little fruit? He's glorified in much fruit. And we, and when we are willing to let the vine dresser take his word and the experiences of life and prune us, clip us, and cleanse us, we get on much fruitful ground. I heard a guy say one time that he he inherited some property out in the woods. I think it was in Arkansas. And he said it was in the summertime, and he and his brother had two weeks of vacation. They went out into the, into the woods, and they started clearing off some of the brush. They cut down trees, and, and, and as they cut those trees down, they piled them up and burned them. He said uh, time ran out on them, and they, they, they had some trees that they had cut down that they didn't have time to, uh, to rake up and to gather up in, in, in piles and, and burn, so they just left those trees lying there on the ground. And he said, in about the latter part of November, or the 1st of, Je- of December, he said, I had a few days off. So I went out into my property in, in Arkansas and I was walking around. He said, I saw something strange. He said, I saw that those trees that had been cut down back in the summer still had their leaves on them. He said, all the other trees that were around had lost their leaves. He said, I had to go over. He said, those, tree, those leaves on those trees that we'd cut down and had not raked up to burn, he said, you had to pull the leaves off to get them off. He said, they, they, they were still... He said, I didn't understand that, so I asked somebody who understood it. And he said, I asked this guy that knows about trees and, and farming. He said, I asked him, I said, why didn't those trees that we cut down in the summer, why didn't they uh, lose their leaves? Why didn't their leaves fall off? And the guy said, Leaves don't fall off of trees. He said, Yeah, they do. He said, I've seen them falling off. He said, My yard's full of them. He said, I've seen leaves fall. He said, No. Leaves don't fall off trees. Leaves are pushed off trees. He said, The life of the tree, the sap or whatever you call it, the life of the tree as it flows through the branches and the tree, in the in the in that experience, that phenomenon in the fall pushes the leaves off. The guy said, well, hey, that's great. I said, thank the Lord. I got my sermon for today, my illustration. Is that when, do you have that in your life, which just sats the energy of the vine? Do you have sin in your life that you, you know, you've got habits, you've been trying to break them and You've got things that you've attitudes and ways that you've responded to others. You've been trying to quit, you hadn't been able to do it. The way that works is that the tree, the, the branches, the, the, the vine. Yields itself to the vine dresser And he takes care of those matters When, when, when w- we read about these great men of prayer George Mueller and all those uh, And praying hide And, and thrill at their answered prayer And, and want to know how in the world These men were able to pray And get answers like that Well you just look around their feet At all the leaves And the useless wood That they've allowed to be snipped off Let me ask you this. Is there anything any more important today than to be able to pray? Is there anything in your life this morning that is more important than to be able to pray? Than to be able to go to the God who rules this universe and get what you need and ask, is there anything any more important than that? Whatever is more important than that, that is what the vine dresser wants to cleanse out of your life. Well, let me tell you something. The most important thing that could ever happen to anybody here today as a believer, a Christian, the most important thing that could ever happen to a Christian is to get to the place where when he prays, he gets answers. And when I read about answered prayer, I thrill at the fact that there are some people who can just pray for anything they desire and get it. And the thing that thrills me is that I know that that person has qualified, both the petition and the petitioner has qualified to pray. And if that can happen to them, it can happen to me. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, wherever we are as a Christian, there is no, we understand, no more important place than to be able to pray. It's important that we be able to witness, that we be able to to worship, to sing. But Lord, we know that the most important thing for a Christian is to be able to pray and get answers. And there are some of us, Lord, who understand and know, we confess, that we've been Christians most of our life. They've seen very few answers to prayer. We've tried to pray the right prayer, but Lord, so often we're not right. And I pray that you'll bring us to the place today where we'll be willing to confront our qualification, our worthiness to pray. And make those steps necessary to abide in Christ. To let His Word control us and cleanse us. Because I pray in the name of Christ and for His sake. Now there are three invitations this morning I'd like to offer here. The first invitation is for you who have never invited Jesus Christ into your life. To come this morning and accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. To repent, to trust Jesus for your salvation. There is a time when that has to happen, point of time. The second invitation is for those of us who need to join the church. As some who came in the early service. To say this is what God, we feel, is leading us to do. And we want to be obedient at this point in our life. Or there may be some of us today who, as we honestly evaluate our prayer life, understand that the reason why our prayer is not acceptable is because we're not acceptable. And we'd like to come to a place of repentance and renewal and rededication that we, the petitioner, would be acceptable to God so that our gift would be also. I want to ask you to do that right away as we stand to sing. Come.